This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. A merry heart is good medicine. Valeria Tejas interviews Barbara Dahlgren, the author of Zorro and Me. Barbara Dahlgren was born in the foothills of the Ozarks and spent her school years in St. Louis, Missouri. She graduated from college in Texas, majoring in elementary education with a minor in theology, married a minister, and has spent over 50 years in ministry all over the United States, including 10 years in Appalachia. She now lives in San Jose, California, where her husband pastors South Bay Christian Church. She has written a history column for a newspaper in Kentucky called Patterns of the Past, book reviews, and various articles for Christian magazines such as Light and Life Magazine, Natch Folge, Focus Jesus, etc. She wrote an ongoing column in Christian Odyssey Magazine entitled Thinking Out Loud, 2008 to 2014. She still freelance writes for publications. She currently has a weekly, for over 10 years, blog called Barbara's Banter. For five years, 2014 to 2019, the theme of the blog was choices. The best of these were published as a book in November 2019 entitled The Choice is Yours, 52 Choices for Happier Lives. Her 2020 theme is joy. She edits a quarterly church newsletter called A Light in the Valley, where she writes a column called Personal from the Pastor's Wife, 20 Years, with digital subscribers around the world. Meet Barbara at barbdahlgren.com. Here is the interview with Barbara Dahlgren. In your own words, who is Barbara Dahlgren? Well, I'd have to say, uh, first of all, I am a child of God, forgiven, redeemed, accepted, and loved by God. I'm also a wife, mother, grandmother, friend, humorist, writer, and speaker who loves music, traveling, watching old movies, laughter, reading, writing, learning new things, spending time with friends, and especially my family. So my first question to you is about God. Who and where is God to you, Barbara? Well, I think God is love and consists of three distinct entities that are called the Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. But they are all one. I don't think God depends on our belief for him to exist. He has always existed and always will. God is not far away. 
Jesus, as part of the Trinity, came to earth to dwell among us, letting us know he desires a relationship with us. And Jesus demonstrated his love for us by dying for our sins. And through Jesus, we are offered forgiveness, acceptance, grace, and mercy. And God is with us always. And if we invite him, he will dwell in us and help guide and direct our lives. I have a question that I ask some people, not everyone. Do you believe in God or do you know God? I know God. Uh, I think many people can believe in God from an academic point of view. But I think the more we learn about him, walk with him, invite him into our daily lives, there comes a point where we actually know God. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Job in the Bible, but through some hardships. And uh, there's a scripture back there that said he believed in God, but then he came to the place where he actually knew God. And so I think it's a process that happens in our daily walk with God and we get closer to knowing him. Do you remember when that happened for you, that moment in time? Well, um, with me, it wasn't an aha moment. Uh, It was with Job, but uh, we are all on a different journey. But I think for me, it uh, was a gradual process. And then just eventually, I came to trust God more and more. And I think that's Mm. where we have crossed over into knowing him. Oh, wow. So by deepening our trust, and then we come to that place of knowing. That resonates true to me. I agree. And another question I often ask, Barbara, is for those who believe in the idea of God as it is um, portrayed in the Bible, is why is, is a God referred as he and not she or it, genderless? I know that the gender issue is a very volatile subject today. I personally have no problem with uh, referring to God as he, our father, as he's portrayed in the Bible. But I can see where some people would take issue with that. I think one reason that in the Bible he is referred to as that way is because of the times that it was written Uh, Those were definite characteristics that people could uh, identify with, uh, but I can see where today people would take issue with it. However, I do not personally view God as gender-specific. I think he has qualities of both genders. So another warm-up question that I have for you is 2020. So we went through all these challenges and chains And I'm wondering for you, what has changed and what insights have you gained? Well, let's see. What uh, have I learned from the COVID pandemic 2020? Well, let me see. I've learned that my natural gray hair color is just as bad as I thought it was. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't get to the hairdresser and get the colored, so I won't be going there to my natural color again. I learned how to breathe using a face mask, which was not an easy task. <laughs> True. I learned that I look pretty good without makeup as long as I have that face mask on. <laughs> wow. And I learned to always keep 
at least three weeks of toilet paper on hand at all time. I learned wow. how to use Zoom and video conferencing, which I did not know how to do before. And I learned to appreciate essential workers that I always took for granted. And I've learned to use lots of hand lotion because my hands are raw from washing and sanitizing. And... Uh, I've learned that family and friends are priceless. Mm, and I've learned I can get along with a lot less things than I thought I could. Mm. And I've learned that a little laughter is still the best medicine. Mm. And I've learned that God is good regardless of our circumstances. I love your sense of humor and your perspective in life. But most of all, it's really how you are. This is a, a Beautiful. It's really beautiful. Thank you, Barbara, for being this presence for us. We need that. <laughs> we need to laugh more. That's for sure. Then that's the question that I wanted to ask you off record about having this lightness, this sense of humor, this more wider, let's say, wider perspective in life. How can we hold on to that in moments of challenging moments, difficult moments? Well, not everything uh, should be laughed at, right. you know, necessarily. Right. I mean, if we see a little old lady fall down an escalator, that's right. not going to be funny. We're going to rush over to help her. Of course, it could be funny if she gets up and does a little river dance, you know. That could be a little funny, but it's not. And we've all gone yeah. through some challenging times. Uh, in, in 2020. I mean, uh, death, of course, is not a fun thing to go through. But I think in right. all of those things, you don't have to necessarily laugh at those things, right. but you can still have a perspective or have a certain kind of joy, perhaps, in your life. Because uh, many times there's a difference, I think, between happiness and joy. Many times happiness is dependent on what happens to us. And if everything's going well, we feel, feel happiness. I mean, even the words are so similar, happiness and happening. So sometimes True. I'm happening. But mm, uh, yeah. sometimes it can depend on our circumstance. However, I think joy mm. runs much deeper. Joy can share its space with other emotions or even exist in the darkest and most difficult times. I mean, hard times cannot take away our joy. Mm. It can't take away our inner peace either. So perhaps we're not laughing at everything necessarily, but we can still have inner peace. And I think true joy is an attitude of the heart and the spirit inside of us. Mm -hmm. And I do think perhaps the more joy that you have from that perspective, you will be able to laugh more when it's an appropriate time. So true. I love your wisdom. And what comes to mind, the next question for you is... What do you attribute your wisdom? Did you already, already have that wisdom before learning about the Bible and becoming a Christian that was already in you, or that's something that was developed through religion? Well, first of all, I'm not real crazy about the word religion, right. because I, I think there's a difference between being religious and being spiritual. True. 
So, because I think religion is what you believe, like we were talking yeah, about before yeah. academically. Yeah. And that's why we have so many different religions. They all believe different things. But sure. I think being spiritual is acknowledging a higher power and yielding to that. I also think there's a difference in being religious and being a Christian. Being religious has to do with what you believe academically, but being a Christian involves action and Mm -hmm. doing things, such things as showing kindness to others, being patient, being truthful, thinking the best of others, and so on, just like Christ did when he was physically on earth. So I don't think... If I have any wisdom, which I'm just very flattered that you think I do. (laughs) You do. Oh, yes. Yeah. In so many ways. But if I have any, I think it would have to come from my spiritual journey with God. So before that spiritual journey, you didn't have any, let's say, deep thoughts about life, yourself. Were you still kind? And yeah, talk to me. A little more about you before your spiritual journey. Well, I think our spiritual journey starts at different times for different people. Or perhaps it's always there. I'm really not sure. But when it first manifested itself with me, I'd have to say when I was a teenager. And the reason I became a, a Christian is because when I was a teenager, I attended a church convention with my mother. Yeah. And I was so impressed with the genuine love and positivity I experienced among people there that I decided I wanted that in my life. So when I returned home, I started reading my Bible and asking God to give me that kind of love so I could share it with others, like those people had shared with me. And so I did try to be a better person. And so that was when, like my last year in high school or whatever. And so, yes, I think that I did make certain changes to be kinder to others and all of that. But of course, you know, it is a journey and you learn as you go along and either you learn or you repeat the same mistakes over and over again. (laughs) And I'm sure I repeated quite a few mistakes, you know, or whatever. But I think the whole goal is just to make each day a little better than the last day was. I made a note here, the way you said earlier about happiness and happening. That is true. Those words are similar in a way. That connection, you you made the distinction between happiness and joy, which for me, joy has a lot to do with inner peace. Oh, I think so, too. Yeah. So you wrote the book, Zorro and Me. Talk to me about the intention and the inspiration of writing this book, Barbara. The book came about because for over 20 years, I wrote a quarterly column for ministry families in a publication called Connections. And the column was titled Sorrow Me. And the intent was just to get those in ministry to lighten up a bit, learn to laugh and not take everything so seriously. And what I drew on was our own family experiences and showing that we could laugh uh, during our journey and that it was all right. And people kept wanting me to compile them in a book. And so I did. And so Zora on Me is a compilation of true funny stories about being in ministry for 50 years with my husband, 
whom I'm affectionately uh, nicknamed Zorro. Oh, yes. And I, I wanted people to know that God has a sense of humor and mm-hmm. wants us to uh, not just journey down life's road, but to enjoy the ride. And I'm wondering why. Have you thought about the reasons why we are so uptight most of the time? We lead busy lives, and there's a lot of stress involved. I mean, they've done studies that those who laugh more live longer. I mean, if we could just find ways to reduce stress, we would live mm. longer and healthier lives. Yeah. And studies show that stress is not just a psychological phenomenon. I mean, stress triggers real changes in our bodies. A stress overload activates areas of our brain that sends involuntary impulses to organs everywhere in your body. Experts now believe that 60 to 90 percent of all doctor visits are kind of stress related. And it's been proven that laughter reduces stress. But another reason people, I think, don't laugh is that the truth of the matter is that many of us are just grumpy all the time. Uh, If we had a better disposition, we would be able to laugh just a little more. I mean, I think we'd be in a better mood if we did things like perhaps mm, practice gratitude Mm. each night, like jotting down or even verbalizing a few things we're grateful for that day or to learn to smile more, complain less. Mm. Each morning you get out of bed, you could just make yourself smile. I mean, studies show that even if we don't have a sincere smile, that it does something positive to us psychologically. We could force ourselves to do little random acts of kindness. I mean, studies show that just doing something for someone else as small as holding a door open or giving up a parking space can create a positive feeling. And... I think it's important to develop friendships with positive people because who you hang around with does make a difference. We need people in our lives who encourage us to be better than we are, not bring us down. And we just need to stop taking everything so personally. Mm. We tend to impute motives to others. We say, well, I wonder why he looked at me that way when he might not even been looking at you at all. Or we think someone deliberately ignored us when that may not be the case. And so just some things like that could maybe change our disposition where we would be more open to having laughter in our lives. I love that, the whole list. And especially that last one about not taking everything personally. Because we do tend to do that. The mind automatically does it. Defense mechanisms and all. I mean, it's sort of like a two-edged sword. Like if someone ignores us, we think they're doing it deliberately. Right. uh, So that offends us. And then, uh, you know, if they don't ignore it, sometimes that offends us too. I mean, sometimes (laughs) for an offense. That's so true. It goes back to perspective, doesn't it? You know, something changes in us. People have a hard time, you know, laughing at themselves. Most adults don't laugh all that easily. 
-hmm. Studies show that children laugh 400 times a day, while adults only laugh around 15 times. And as we age, it's only natural that we become more serious because of our heavy responsibilities and the stress. Like I mentioned before, lives can be filled with anxiety, stress, loneliness, or emptiness. And sometimes we isolate ourselves, and isolation Mm -hmm. is a killer because laughter in many ways is a shared activity. It's infectious and contagious in a good way. It breaks down barriers. Studies show people laugh 30 times more when they're in a group uh, than they do when they're alone. Developing friendships with positive people you can share laughter with is a real plus. Yes. What about fear? That's another, let's say, joy killer or laughter killer. Oh, I think so. I think so. We fear so many things. I think uh, one of the major things that we fear is that uh, of making mistakes. We feel Um, like if we make a mistake that we're a failure and we want to protect that perfect image. You know, perfection's overrated and unattainable. Uh, We need to be working towards progress, not perfection. We beat ourselves up when we fall short of our unrealistic expectations. We call ourselves names, you know, like I'm stupid or this, that, and the other thing. And that is just not healthy because life is a learning process and we shouldn't be afraid of how others will view us. I remember years ago, you probably don't remember her, but Julia Child, she was the French chef and uh, she used to have a cooking show on PBS and uh, I remember watching her one time, and hers was a live show, and she made mistakes on air all the time. <laughs> and, uh, and, and once she pulled a fallen souffle from an oven in front of millions of people, <laughs> right. and she just chuckled and said, well, you can't win them all. <laughs> right. I've always thought about that, you know, <laughs> that here she is, a famous person or whatever. And she wasn't working toward perfection perfection. Mm. She was working toward progress. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Being, some people call it authenticity, just being yourself. That, you know, yet that comes to mind this moment that the more we are, we embrace ourselves as we are, the the self-love idea, which I believe in unconditional self-love. So that always comes up. This lightness arises when we do that. That's what it came to me now, Barbara, that Embracing ourselves, loving ourselves, and accepting ourselves leads to lightness. It leads to playfulness. So we don't need to be serious all the time, even when we make mistakes in front of millions of people, which is wonderful. Wow. Yeah. I I mean, life goes on. You know, tomorrow's another day, and uh, and most of them will be forgotten. They get magnified pretty big in our minds, but... uh, so talk to me about how did you meet Zoro, your husband, and why did you give him this name? Well, uh, Zoro and I met uh, in college. We um, became interested in each other our senior year in college, and then uh, we decided uh, to get married. And uh, then he was sent out into the ministry And we first served in Jacksonville, Florida, down your way. We were there for a few years. And then we were in West Virginia for a year. And actually, both of our daughters were born in Florida. Oh, wow. 
And then we were in uh, West Virginia for a year. And then we got transferred to the Appalachia area. The part we were in was in Kentucky. My husband had been assisting pastors, an assistant pastor in those other areas. But when we went to Kentucky, he became a full-fledged pastor. So I can just share with you, it's... uh, how he got his nickname. So mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting story. And like I said, my husband's a minister. And about 40 years ago, we were living in Kentucky in an area of Appalachia. And our church decided to have a winter costume party. Uh, some dear friends of ours, and we had arranged for babysitting for our very young children at another couple's house uh, who wasn't going. They weren't going. Uh, they lived up on a hill off a two-lane blacktop road that had a long, curvy driveway up to the back of the house. And none of us knew what costumes we were going to wear. So we were very surprised when both of these guys, my husband and our friend, showed up dressed as Zorro. So anyway, the costume party was great fun. We all arrived back at the babysitter's house around midnight. And since it was cold out, we left the car running at the back of the house so the kids could get into a warm car. And we were just coming out of the house to put our kids in the car when we noticed that the car was rolling down that long, curvy driveway. Mm. At first, we thought we'd gotten forgotten to put the emergency brake on, and we winced Mm -hmm. because we sort of waited for it to hit a tree. (laughs) But it seemed to be just be staying on that curvy driveway at the bottom of the hill. It turned and drove down the highway. Well, it became obvious that someone was stealing our car. Here we were in the middle of nowhere, but yet someone walked up this long curvy driveway and decided to steal our car. We were shocked, but the two Zoros, being the macho men that they were, (laughs) decided to take off after the car. So they hopped into the other vehicle and started to chase. Now, I should tell you about what kind of car we had. We'd gotten a good deal on a, a French Peugeot. And it's not really the kind of car you needed in Appalachia, but it had been provided for us by our denomination. But the manual was in French, and no one in Appalachia, including us, could read French, and we could barely master English. And uh, all the knobs on the dashboard were symbols that you couldn't understand. And, of course, our car was what you would call a lemon. It was in the shop more than it was on the road. Also, it was a diesel, which meant it would only go 30 miles an hour uphill. And to top it off, we had spilled some fresh cow's milk in it that had soured. Now, I don't know if you know what that smells like, Uh, but it's bad. (laughs) And people say not to cry over spilt milk, but trust me, you can cry (laughs) the spilt milk. (laughs) Yeah, that one, right. (laughs) In fact, I almost felt sorry for the guy who stole it. So while the two Zoros are chasing the thief, I'm on the telephone, telephoning the police, trying to convince them our car was stolen. And they kept thinking a Peugeot was some kind of poodle dog, not a car. So I had finally persuaded them that I was telling them the truth. But then in my excitement, I said, and two men dressed like Zorro are chasing it. And then the dispatcher said, sure, lady, call me in the morning when you're so... Those were her exact words. 
<laughs> so meanwhile, the two Zoros had just overtaken the car and honked until it pulled over near the hill. Now, remember, the car would only go 30 miles an hour right. uphill. It was some poor teenage boy who had his head hanging out the window, gasping for air, even though it was uh, zero degrees outside because of the bad smell in the car. <laughs> the windshield wipers, emergency blinkers, and anything else that could move on the car was going every which way because <laughs> he couldn't read the symbols on the dashboard. Right. <laughs> and there was a full moon shining. So imagine his surprise when he saw the two Zoros hop out of the car with their capes flapping in the wind, their little plastic swords by their sides, as if to say, unhand that car, you cad. The boy was so shocked that he stumbled, fell down the hill, and landed right in a doghouse, which is where he belonged. And I can uh-huh. tell you that this story is totally true. Right. So my nickname, oh, my husband, has been Zorro ever since. <laughs> and this is just one bizarre story about my husband, I could tell you. So it became evident early in our marriage that we would either learn to laugh or get a divorce. So we opted mm. for laughter because it was a lot cheaper. <laughs> right. I love your sense of humor. That's interesting that I know some people, they write in a funny way because they're, they're great writers and they have this creative mind. But this has actually happened. All the detail. <laughs> yes. That's amazing how funny life can be. Right, Barbara? Yes. I mean, every story in this Zorro book is, I'm sad to say, all true. <laughs> right, right. Speaking of marriage, so would you say that learning how to laugh, to be playful, is the greatest advice that we can take on to have a great relationship with our family, not just loved ones as husbands and wives, but family members in general? I think it's a very, very important part of marriage and perhaps lots of relationships. I know it's very important in our whole family. We all love to laugh and it can get you over some hard times, which we all experience hard times in life. Marriages experience hard times. It's not always smooth sailing and learning to laugh and not take everything quite so seriously can be a very important part of marriage, I think. Yeah, we can apply in general in life, but in relationships, for sure. And as I said to you earlier, off record, that I was applying some of this wisdom today with my husband. <laughs> that was kind of interesting. I, I had you in my mind because I was laughing already reading the book. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so let me take this forward. <laughs> and then I was making fun of other things. and We were laughing together for a while. So what a wonderful message. Thank you again for your beautiful work, your presence. We're almost at the end, and I have so many other stories here that I would love to hear from you, but not enough time. I love this story, the chapter two, <laughs> Catch a Wave. That's a funny one, too. Really, really funny. And you have another one that I really like is the uh, chapter five, Life is a Trip. That's a great one. I love the wisdom there when you say that it is a parallel for all of us in this story because our lives are a journey. So basically you say our life's journey is like driving down a highway or road. We ride through hills, mountains, and valleys. Sometimes the roads are paved. Sometimes they are not. Sometimes we don't know which way to go. They are unexpected curves and bends. 
road work takes us on detours. We might have an accident because we are going too fast. People might honk at us for going too slow. Sometimes we misread signs. Sometimes the signs mislead us. Beautifully written. I love that, Barbara. This metaphor between life, just the adventures we have in life, through stories we have lived, experiences we have had, and then life itself as a whole. We can relate to that as a trip, as a journey. Thank you. Thank you for your, your beautiful work. I, it's very compassionate. It's coming from the heart. And I love the way you relate to this idea of laughter being light, playful to children, to the heart and to children, being more like children. Would you like to make a comment? I know at chapter nine, young at heart, that's where you make the comment also about children and how light and, and how playful and content they look. And that's how God wants, not wants, but that's what God's all about in a way. <laughs> Right. And children also have a pure attitude. I mm. mean, they give their love freely yeah. and they have so many attributes uh, that we as adults can learn from and that we lose through the years. Because even in the Bible, uh, Jesus said, become as a child. And I think he was talking about this attitude, this attitude of having a positive outlook, a trusting heart, humility. Children are quick to forgive. Mm, they yeah. have a spontaneity and they really love to have fun. So uh, we're almost at the end and I do have a few more questions for you. I'll ask you two questions to end the interview. But before that, would you like to add anything or read or tell another story in a book? No, I think... Uh, not really. If I had any final closing comments, it would just be, I just want people to remember that our journey down life's highway may have some bumps in the road, but we can still enjoy the ride. God loves to laugh. I think laughter is the key to enjoying and not just enduring life, because those who laugh do live longer. Laughter relieves stress. A merry heart is good medicine. There's a scripture on that in the Bible. And laughter connects us with others. And I think God created laughter and it's good. Mm, yeah, it is good. <laughs> Very good. And my last two questions, how do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Well, you know, success means different things to different people. Some people equate success with fame and fortune. I do not consider that success. For me, I think um, success would be just living each day and trying to make a positive difference in the lives of people around me. I think it's learning from my mistakes and to keep moving forward, even if it is little by little. I think it's unwise to be comparing ourselves to others and adopting mm. their ideas. And we just need to be happy being ourselves and just try to make a positive difference in the world. And my last question is, what are three things about life you wish everyone to know before they die or before they lose the body? 
Well, I think I would like people to know that life is a gift from God and he wants us to enjoy it. I think life should be used to share God's love with others. And I think a little laughter makes the bumpy ride down life's road much easier to bear. Thank you so much again, Barbara, for your beautiful presence, your profound wisdom, your compassionate work, and everything else in between that can be felt. Thank you again. Well, I thank you. I thank you so much for our chat. And I think your questions are always so kind and thoughtful. They certainly make me think and at many times grasp for words. <laughs> but it's good to think. And it's been a pleasure. And I pray that God will continue to bless your work. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, of course, the books and everything or any bookstore and on Amazon. But to find out more about me, you can just go to www.barbdahlgren.com or Google Barbara's Banter, which is my blog site. And that will take you to my weekly blog, which has information about my books and me. And the tagline of my blog is Barbara's Banter, taking my faith, but not myself too seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Bob. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Barbara Dahlgren and her work, please visit barbdahlgren.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>